It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. Mark Morgan at the bottom of the hour, former Acting Customs and Border Patrol Commissioner, who uh, is real worried that what's happening in Afghanistan is going to leak right across our border, which has never been worse in all of our lifetimes. I'm not forgetting about him getting some emails saying, don't forget about the border. Our Border Patrol have been abandoned. Uh, the people are flooding in. Uh, Kamala Harris left the country. She's supposed to be in charge of this. I have not forgotten it. Mark Morgan will outline that. And we'll continue to follow the developments in Afghanistan, where we understand at this hour, tear gas has been hit with those on the, the people on the outside of the airport have been hit with tear gas dispersing a crowd. And then we have the emergency evacuation from the airport yesterday. Word went out to any American in Afghanistan, don't come to the airport. It was their only way out. Where else are they going to go because of a imminent terror attack? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Gavin Newsom, the way he slammed this state down, ignoring science in the most severe way compared to all the other 49 states. Let Joe Biden defend that record. I welcome that. And maybe Joe Biden can encourage Gavin Newsom to debate me. Uh, That is Larry Elder. He's the leading Republican candidate at about 40 that are trying to recall. If Gavin Newsom gets recalled, it looks like Larry Elder will be the next governor. And he wants a debate. He wants Joe Biden to show up. Serious trouble. That's what Gavin Newsom's in. But in the bigger picture is the beleaguered governor emblematic of mayors, Democrat, governors, Democrats, who have allowed high taxes, power outages, crime to run rampant along with draconian pandemic legislation. Are they the reason? Are the Democrats about to get a huge wake-up call? Number two. The Gates to the airport are unlike anything I've ever seen. It is a throng of individuals, oftentimes thousands deep. I mean, it is a chaotic, just incredibly dangerous and volatile mix. Yeah, it is, and that's Peter Meyer, and I have no problem with him and Seth Moulton finding a way to get to the Kabul airport and see for themselves. They're both veterans, understand the risks, and they wanted to see, as legislators, things up close and personal. How bad are things in Kabul? What are we leaving behind in Afghanistan? And are we really leaving on the 31st? Sadly, the answer seems to be yes. Number one. It's just extraordinarily frustrating. We've got a threat to our people there, Americans in Afghanistan, not just in Kabul. I mean, they're in an ISIS kill zone right now. And this administration is sticking to an artificially imposed deadline. That is reaping these results that we're seeing right now, and I fear it's only going to get worse. And he knows. He's, he's worked in Afghanistan. He's worked in Pakistan. He has worked at the CIA in China and Russia. That is Dan Hoffman. Deadline remains. Deadly terror attacks loom, and a detached and different president stubbornly stands by uh, as our people desperately try and get to, try to get out and get to Kabul Airport. So let's begin. First off, how in, how indescribably stupid is this? Our Secretary of State finally has a press conference yesterday, and word is he was all for leaving the way we're leaving. Pull out everyone at Bagram. Don't worry about it. The, the Taliban won't take the government right away. 
So we'll leave all our equipment there and won't have anybody ready. Our equipment is now in the hands of the Akani Network, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda affiliates. You're talking about billions of dollars. And Anthony Blinken thinks, well, with the roughly between five and 1,500, some say 5,000 Americans in country, we know whose fault it is. Theirs. Cut to. We provided multiple communication channels for Americans uh, to contact us if they're in Afghanistan and want help in leaving. The specific estimated number of Americans in Afghanistan who want to leave can go up as people respond to our outreach for the first time. And it can go down when we reach Americans we thought were in Afghanistan who tell us they've already left. There could be other Americans in Afghanistan who never enrolled with the embassy, who ignored public evacuation notices, and have not yet identified themselves to us. Therefore, how dare they go into a war zone to help out Americans if, uh, and as Americans? Up to 1,500, including 24 California students and 16 teachers, are stuck in Afghanistan as Blinken blames the U.S. citizens for not leaving. Well, they had tickets to leave. They were too scared to get to the airport on August 15th. And why wouldn't they be? They were told to shelter in place. First, they were told to go. Then we're hearing stories about the Taliban torturing and killing people. The U.N. brought them up, not the U.S. Even though our allies said we got to stay, they don't. The CIA has reportedly joined the U.S. military in rescue missions overnight. But we just got a few dozen Americans. We got to get more. Out of the 80,000, it looks like 4,000 are Americans that got out of Afghanistan. What is going on? And who are these people? Are we going with people that are truly allies of ours? Or are we letting anyone go who wants to be in America? If you ask anybody around the world if they want to be an American, they're all coming. So I hope we're screening these guys effectively. And I'm not talking about their SAT scores. I just want to find out if they're not terrorists and then see if they're worthy of a refugee status. Understood? Good. Democratic lawmakers, Elisa uh, Slotkin, Michigan, former Assistant Secretary of State, by the way, and, and Mikey Sherrill, former U.S. Navy helicopter pilot, saw the president yesterday and said, listen, you need to extend the deadline. I respect what you're doing, and you need to extend the uh, deadline. She said, I, I raised concerns on the August 31st deadline, the importance of ensuring that both Americans and Afghan allies who worked on our behalf will be able to get through the Taliban checkpoints up until the 31st. My concerns about what happens in these days and months after we depart. Yeah, he says he's got contingency plans. Blinken says he's still going to work to get people out. But we'll have no leverage. No leverage. Why would we leave Americans behind? We don't leave soldiers behind enemy lines. We are willingly leaving Americans behind enemy lines on your ridiculous pullout. Dan Hoffman, Cut 12. I mean, it's just extraordinarily frustrating. We've got a threat to our people there, uh, Americans in Afghanistan, not just in Kabul. I mean, they're in an ISIS kill zone right now. And what we should be able to do is eliminate that threat. And we also should be able to have a plan to get our people out of harm's way. It seems we have neither. And this administration is sticking to an artificially imposed deadline rather than a conditions-based policy where we are committed to getting our people out. And uh, that is is reaping these results that we're seeing right now. And I fear it's only going to get worse. Listen to these mixed messages all on the 25th yesterday. White House officials say uh, the U.S. has evacuated 82,300 people from Afghanistan, but only 4,500 We're Americans. Hmm. Really? Who are these other people? I'm all for Afghan allies, but how many allies do we have? Have we really looked into their background? And how many people are on the outside? Our people are getting beat up. I'm seeing these pictures of Australians all bloodied. 
Then a briefer at the State put Department said there's 4,100 Americans still in Afghanistan. Wow, 4,100. Then Jen Psaki says there are 11,000 self-identified Americans in Afghanistan. 11,000. It's interesting. But then we hear from Tony Blinken, 500 to 1,500. Really? Am I the only one with no confidence in these people? How many more empty planes do I have to see before I hear about how many people have gotten out, how many planes have come in and out, the greatest airlift in history? Who's on these planes? What deal have we cut? Seth Moulton came back along with uh, Congressman, uh, the other congressman whose name eludes me at this moment, Peter Meyer, and he said, well, I'm convinced we should get out on the 30th now, even though it's even hellacious there, these people doing great work. Because then we got to negotiate because we can't get close to getting those people out. we got to negotiate with the Taliban. But why would you negotiate with people without any leverage? Have we learned anything? The leverage is force. We will drop a JDAM on the palace unless our people are allowed to walk down Broadway right into the airport. Got it? That's it. We'll leave when we're done. Understood? Good. Tom Cotton, Cut 14. Tuesday is not the real deadline for evacuating civilians. From Afghanistan, we're approaching that deadline rapidly because it'll take some time to get 5,800 American troops and their weapons and equipment outside of Kabul. So, if you're on the ground in Afghanistan today, as thousands of Americans there still are, as thousands of Afghans who supported American troops at the risk of their lives are, your deadline is really probably tomorrow, maybe Friday if you're lucky. Yeah, and if we do leave, and he looks like he's going to leave, I mean, I, I got to play this cut for you because it's so. Uh, Tone deaf. It shows exactly the Joe Biden, how the Joe Biden has acted since this whole bug out started. Listen to the question, not uh, not from a Fox reporter, but from Peter Alexander of NBC. Cut five. Sir, what will you do if Americans are still there after the deadline? Peter, let's go. Come on, thank you. No? You'll be the first person I'll call. Hmm. And he laughs. What is funny about that? I don't think Jimmy Carter laughed about that. I don't think any president I know would even make a snide remark about that. I mean, what is he thinking? But that's the exact attitude he has as he makes us wait four or five hours for an update on Afghanistan. And are we going to leave on the uh, on the date that you put certain, August 31st? You show up four hours late for that and you open up with some news about some legislation that nobody wants. So... And I think, sadly, this is the situation. And Michael Waltz outlined it with Harris Faulkner yesterday. Cut 18. We are on the cusp of having the biggest mass hostage situation in American history. It's going to make 1979 in Tehran look like a sleepover because you're going to have thousands of Americans left behind that the Taliban will then have for leverage when they want international recognition, they want money, they want economic assistance, and they've got a gun to the head of American citizens because Joe Biden left them. The Pentagon has been clear to us they could stay and they could get them out. Now, you have to weigh that. There's an ongoing terrorist risk to uh, the folks there, but Americans don't leave Americans behind, period. We don't. And when I watch Secretary of Defense Austin, a general, basically say we can't help anybody outside Kabul, you can't even help everybody in Kabul, I knew we were in uncharted waters. You remember the stories of our soldiers and what they did to get uh, those killed in action behind enemy lines to get bodies out? We sacrificed everything. And 
uh, I think it was four years ago, where President Trump bargained with Kim Jong-un to get bodies out from the 1950s, Korean War. And now we're going, yeah, American citizens in there, 24 school kids. Hey, we got to go on the 31st. I got to go back to Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware. I got this big house and I got these grandkids. And then I got to pass a package of $3.5 trillion. I have no idea what's in it. That's what's important to them. Thankfully, the American people are not buying it. Only 24% support the way that we've gotten out. 41% now support him as a president. And I believe by the end of the uh, September, we'll see him as totally incompetent. And even in his best day, the worst foreign policy instincts in our country's history. All right, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's an important show. It's an important day. Bottom of the hour, we're going to find out how all of this relates to what's happening at our border. Mark Morgan next. Uh, not next, but you're next with phone calls. one 408 Don't phone it in yet. Labor Day is not here. We need you to work. Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com. 
KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What is the number of Americans who are in the country? Let's focus first and foremost on getting them to safety, getting them home. Second, let's secure our southern border before we worry about anything else. But this idea that they're negotiating, not negotiating, it looks to me like they're giving in. I mean, it was just the other day when the Taliban said that that August 31st is a red line and and Joe Biden hasn't changed that date. So I I don't know what that what's going on there. But I do know one thing. What's the number? Let's bring American citizens home and let's secure our southern border so these Taliban and other terrorists don't exploit a border that is no longer, frankly, that should be our focus versus spending money and all the other things that the Democrats are focused on doing. Absolutely. And that is Jim Jordan. But guess who Jim Jordan sounds like? Uh, The editorial in today's USA Today, hardly a right-wing conservative uh, think tank. They say, Mr. President, get them out. Get them out now. Bring them home safely. There are moments in American history, they go on to say, when the hopes of a nation turn on the next critical uh, move a president makes. Dwight Eisenhower, 57. He federalizes the Arkansas National Guard. So black teens in Little Rock, the Little Rock Nine, could survive a trip to school. One in such instance, John F. Kennedy, adept handling of the Cuban Missile Crisis in 62, which prevented a nuclear war. George W. Bush's success in rallying the nation uh, atop the rubble in 9-11. It's now Joe Biden's turn. 1,500 U.S. citizens remain. The lives of an estimated 1,500 American citizens are at stake. And according to Blinken, these are real people. They go on. When the USA Today is saying that, believe them. Brandon, Minnesota. Hey, Brandon. Morning, Brian. How are you doing? Good. I would like to know, do we honestly think this uh, terrorist attack wasn't going to happen? Like when Biden was talking with his so-called advisors, like this wasn't brought up. Like this was like, when I heard we were getting out, my number one thought was we're in one spot surrounded by Taliban. We're going to get bombed. Not in Bagram. If we stayed in Bagram, Brandon, they couldn't have gotten close. Oh, I believe that. Oh, yes. I absolutely believe that. But when they shut us down and just put us in Kabul and we gave up Bagram, I mean, this, this had to have been foreseen. I, I cannot believe that we just overlooked something like this. Like uh, this had to, He has to have contingencies for this. He can't be that stupid, can he? He know what he said? He said, well, I told my uh, military to come up with a contingency plans if we don't have everybody out by then. What's a contingency plan? They're all gone. I just got a message uh, while you were speaking. Another 600 just left. 600 Marines just left. Do you know the Turks were supposed to watch the airport after we left and allow us to get out and, you know, watch our back? The Turks left. They're going to be all out today. Could someone tell Turkey we were counting on them? Not that it matters uh, because they don't care. So uh, we've had a few rescue missions, but for the most part, Brandon, everybody in there is on their own. On their own. And yesterday they said, don't come to the airport. I'm walking at a a soldier with a sign that said, gate closed. Now, I I did see this other story about this special operator who went back. He's had 14 tours of duty. He's an Army Ranger, retired now. And he went back and he says nothing that he's ever done in his life has prepared him for what he saw. And he said that he's evacuating people, and he's within feet of the Taliban while he's, while he's doing it. His name is Jericho Denman. He's on the cover of the New York Post. 
He said, "What's like uh, what it's like to get somebody past the gates at Hamid Karzai Airport? A lot of media and a lot of people think it's like signing in your girlfriend when you when you lived in the barracks. It's not that simple. It's more like trying to pick up someone who doesn't speak your language out of a crowd and a effing death metal concert at Madison Square Garden, and it's triple capacity, and there's only one door open, and the place is on fire." He went on to say. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. I've deployed 15 times, and this is the worst living and working conditions I've seen for U.S. troops. I'm a little used to this kind of work, unlike the many young Marines and other service members who are having to sentence these Afghans. They tell someone, hey, you can't come in. And it's like telling the person he's probably going to die. These kids, the Marines and soldiers, are worn effing out. That's what we're looking at, Brandon. Thanks so much uh, for the call. That's what's happening. And now they're being pulled out. Now think about the nightmares they're going to have. You worried about PTSD? This is a formula for how to get it. You're going to see these faces. You're going to hear the pleadings. You're going to pack up your camouflage. You're going to pack up your kit, and you're going to go. Maybe you can glance out as you lift off and look to see the Akani Network wearing American camouflage uniforms and full packs, including our guns and rifles. Is this unbelievable? Because that's what we left behind. That's what this administration's legacy will forever be. They think it's a news cycle. Don't let it be. What it means to the border. Mark Morgan, next. Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. This administration won't even tell us about the huge increase in the number of known and suspected terrorists that have been caught at the border before Afghanistan fell. And that's only state, it's only going to, uh, it's only going to increase. So when you say about slipping through the cracks, the southern border is a gigantic vulnerability and it's going to have long-term implications for us in the United States. If they can exploit our southern border, they're going to do that. And that's what uh, Congressman John Katko said, Republican out of New York, and that's what people was telling him and we know how bad the border's been, worst in my lifetime. Mark Morgan, former acting uh, director of Customs and Border Patrol himself, served as chief of U.S. Border Patrol for the Obama administration and acting director of U.S. Immigration and Customs Services, uh, ICE, uh, for Trump. Mark, welcome back. Brian, thanks for having me. So you're concerned about the linkage, the linkage between what's happening in Afghanistan, the mass evacuations, 8,000 here already, others uh, placed around the globe, that might be ISIS, Al-Qaeda, or affiliated. Yeah, Brian, look, we, we have something going on right now. And, 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 and I watched you this morning. You were spot on. 
Of course. Look, look we, we have a, a moral obligation uh, to, to assist those that, that those special interest uh, um, uh, migrant visas that, that helped U.S. forces in Afghanistan. A- absolutely. That's a no-brainer. We're, we're all there. But, but you, you bring something up. It's like we have to temper that compassion, our compassion, and our moral obligation with intelligence, both literally and figuratively. We can't let go of that. We can't abandon our, our, our need and a requirement to do a robust vetting process. Look, we, we've already heard the stories about how an, an Afghan on the terrorist no-fly list got on a plane. We're hearing stories where hundreds of individuals have been evacuated out of Afghanistan, only later were determined to have derogatory information and connects us to, to terrorist organizations. And, and wait for it, we, we've, the, the almost 9,000 that have come to U.S., Let's not forget about the health crisis. Many of them have tested positive for COVID. Look, this should not be being done this way. And, and the, the challenge is, is what I feel, this man-made catastrophe in Afghanistan. Now, what, what they're trying to do is to address political optics by getting people out as fast as possible, jeopardizing our national security. So far, we know this. About 100 evacuees in Doha have been uh, ordered to undergo further security screening. Screeners stopped the evacuee at the, uh, the air base in Doha where Americans and Afghans are being taken on military planes because they couldn't figure out exactly who they were. And an Afghan evacuee with potential ties to ISIS has been detained in an airbase hangar in Qatar. In France, they found somebody on their terror watch list. Two arrived in, arrived in Britain on the do-not-fly list. So when 19 hijackers caused the type of damage that they did, Mark Morgan, you are not being paranoid to think that this could be coming to our border and to our country. That's actually— you're, you're absolutely correct. And look, I also did 20 years in the FBI, uh, and, and I deployed as an FBI agent to Iraq. I was a deputy unseen commander, uh, you know, responsible for the oversight of all our counterterrorism operations there at the time when I was deployed there. Look, the, right now, and just here's another thing we don't talk enough about. Hours after the Taliban took over Afghanistan, the Pentagon sent out a, a dire warning saying that Afghanistan now will become another base of operations for terrorist organizations. And what the American people need to understand, al-Qaeda, ISIS, even though the president is confused whether they exist in Afghanistan, they do. The Taliban is a terrorist organization, in my opinion. Look, they, they, their resolve to, to do harm to the United States is unwavering. They're going to continue to look for every vulnerability to exploit. And right now, our southern border is one of the most vulnerable areas in our country. And Brian, here's another thing we don't talk enough about, our northern border. Look, right now, they're pouring an exorbitant amount of resources pulling from the northern border to help with the man-made created crisis in the southern border, leaving our northern border even more vulnerable. And the other thing we don't talk enough about, Canada has some of the most lax immigration and visa law uh, in, in, the, in the world. And right now, you don't think terrorist organizations out there building their strength right now in Afghanistan are going to continue to look at that. It's not just our southern border. It's our northern border, as well as the refugee resettlement issue we have right now. Yeah, I think it's a big issue. Can't you learn something what happened with Cuba and the airlift? They put thousands uh, into our country. They emptied their prisons and their mental and their uh, sanitariums. uh, And we got a lot of the mentally ill and a lot of criminals dumped in here from Fidel Castro. That was Jimmy Carter's administration. And it cost the politicians a lot of their elections, and it made Americans feel very unnerved about their big hearts because they were abused by this. 
That, that, that's exactly right. And look, they're, they're taking the same playbook that they, they used in the southern border to Afghanistan. So that because of their ineptness they, they, uh, with respect to their strategy, they created the crisis. And instead of actually addressing the substantive part of the crisis, all they're doing is addressing political optics. On the southern border, what that requ- equates to is just releasing people in the United States as fast as humanly possible and make illegal immigration legal. In Afghanistan, look, I've heard every single press briefing. I've watched it from the State Department and, and the Pentagon. And what do they keep saying, Brian? Their whole goal right now is what? Fast, fast, fast. I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard our goal is to remove people from Afghanistan as fast as possible. We're getting faster every single day. From the, someone that is worried about potentially importing a terrorist into our country, uh, red flags and alarms go off for me. No, we cannot replace our, uh, you know, uh, 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 abandon our need to do proper vetting. Why can't we uh, uh, put them to, to a, you know, a Ramstein, Germany, a third country, and have them remain there while we do proper vetting? One hey, real quick, I, I know we got to go, but what, so what happens if we import one of the 9,000 that have already been here, and later we find that there's derogatory information, and there are, in fact, they have connections to, to a terrorist organization? Brian, what are we going to do with them now that they're already in our country? Uh, good, good question. This guy, uh, Muhammad, uh, Ali Muhammad Ali, a former Afghan security official, told the New York Times, quote, Afghanistan has now become the Las Vegas of the terrorists, of the radicals and the extremists. People all over the world uh, are chanting, celebrating the Taliban victory. This is paving the way for the extremists to come to Afghanistan. Mark Morgan, you know who's head of security in Kabul? The Akani Network. They're wearing our camouflage and our kits and using our rifles, patrolling uh, Kabul. Do you believe this? Well, Brian, not only that, look, a a lot of people want to dismiss uh, the the, the Taliban and and, and Al-Qaeda, and they shouldn't. Here's another thing. I, I mean, they are very good at media as well. What did, what did we also see a picture of? And as a Marine, this really disturbed me. But there's a picture of, of, of the Taliban dressed in U.S. In military uh, gear, yeah. raising, a, raising a, a, a Taliban flag, uh, representing the, the flag raising uh, uh, in the Iwo Jima of the United States Marines. I, I, I was horrified when I saw that. And we should all be horrified at those images. We're going to leave. Tuesday, as Senator Tom Cotton with his military background says, you understand, that means we're leaving earlier than that because you don't just leave on Tuesday. That means we're stopping the evacuees uh, in about a day or two. So, Mark, we're going to leave people behind. Is that okay? Well, Anthony Blinken says we're going to continue to negotiate to get them out. but We lose all leverage. Well, exactly, Brian. I think, too, just as an American citizen, look, look, take my, you know, 35 years of government service, you know, military and law enforcement, but just as an American citizen, when, when, when you're looking at this, Brian, you know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And this administration, every briefing, they keep talking about the decision. That, that's not what this is about right now. We can have philosophical discussions about the decision to, 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 to leave or not. It's how they executed. That's what this is about. But every single press conference, they, that's, they don't address that. They keep going back to the spin about the decision. Look, this is horrific. I cannot believe that, that we are actually talking about a hard deadline where we could potentially leave American citizens in, in that foreign country, as well as those, those legitimate uh, Afghans who actually risked their life and safety helping us. It's, it's tragic. I want you to hear what Joe Biden said, and I'll play this clip, and I'm, I apologize for people listening to the whole hour. 
but I'm astounded. I cannot believe how cold and callous he looks every time he talks about this mission. While he sits down with George Stephanopoulos saying, when, when asked, what do you think about these images of the cargo jet and people falling off planes? He said, well, that was four days ago. Four days ago. Like, that's a, a good answer. If you want to know his mindset, his real mindset, he doesn't mask it here. Listen to this. Cut five. Sir, what will you do if Americans are still there after the deadline? Peter, let's go. Come on. Thank you. No? You'll be the first person I'll call. And he left. We cut off the left. Yeah. He left. Yeah, but Brian, I, I tell you, I, of, of everything that I've seen, that we've all seen, there's been a lot of disturbing comments. There's been a lot of, lot of defiance, a lot of uh, refusal to take responsibility. E- even, even when the president in the George Stephanopoulos interview, when it was asked, did, did you do anything wrong? No, nothing. There's nothing you would have done different. No. I mean, that was horrible. But that comment, even even Kamala Harris, the vice president, laughter. That response to me as an American has resonated as as the, the worst possible thing that that's happened so far in this. He actually is making a mockery of this, Brian. I, I, it's befud- I'm befuddled. I just, you know, he looks I at this as election cycle. People are hyperventilating. Yeah, right. What's the big deal? I'm making the tough decision. And when people tell me, well, he's well, he's gotten older. No, no. This is what he always thought. This is what he would have been like in 1980 if he had won. Yep. And you know what? And, and again, let's go back to southern border. It's the same playbook, right? They create this disaster. Then they try to convince American people, hey, what are you getting excited about? Nothing to see here. It's seasonal. Even though it's been proven to be a lie again and again and again, they double down. They're defiant. I mean, the press secretary would talk about people stranded. I mean, she gets openly defiant about you so we're stranded. I, look, I, I've been in Chicago where my plane got canceled overnight. I had to stay in Chicago. I called my family, and I said, hey, I'm stranded in Chicago. Yet Americans in, in Afghanistan, they're now being told, don't come to the airport. They can't make their way to the airport. She, she gets defiant. Are you stranded? It, it's absurd. It is. Mark, I got to, before I let you go, I got to tell you, the judge upheld the ruling to remain in Mexico has got to stay in place, go back in place that the Biden administration took off. And you have taught me from being on the air, it's not just the. I'm happy about this, but the Remain of Mexico worked because they put Marines on their southern border, and we had the next country deal where the minute you step foot in another country, that's where you apply. We need Mexico's cooperation. We mocked them and said we violated international law in doing that. Now a judge is making them do the Remain of Mexico policy. Can they navigate this? Easily, and if they can't, look, they've already started the lies, Brian, saying, given all the excuses why they can't do it, they won't be able to do it. I'm already hearing sources that are saying that they are actively trying to slow roll uh, compliant with the judge's order, which is absolutely unbelievable. When I was there, even though we had multiple negative rulings come, we never hesitated in complying with the law, and, and now that's what I'm hearing. But, but look, we did it once before. They can do it. There's no excuse. All they have to do is pull the playbook off the shelf, dust it off, that we use and implement it. And here's the thing. If Secretary Marcus has any problems, implement it. All he's got to do is give me a call. I'll help him out. You did. Hey, you helped out President Obama and President Trump. You'll help out this president because clearly when it comes to the border, nobody's been worse. Lastly, do you believe this is on purpose or just ineptness, the whole way this uh, board has been handled? 
Oh, it's that's a great question, Brian. From day one, you know, people have questioned. I've said, no, this has been a strategy all along. This has been about addressing their open border strategy. This is about you know trying to get perpetual political power. And just like Afghanistan, though, they didn't listen to the experts and they underestimated the catastrophe that would ensue based on their strategy. But this was by design. Mark Morgan, always great to hear from you. Thanks so much. You bet, Brian. Thank you. You got it. one 408 We'll expand on this and maybe touch on the recall in California and how I believe Newsom will be the first chip to fall for Democrats because their policies are flat out. Not only do they work, they're anti-American. I'll explain. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Not unexpected and definitely not good news. There has been an explosion outside the Abbey Gate at Kabul Airport. This, according to U.S. officials, told to Fox News, Lucas Tomlinson, uh, Pentagon reporter, is related to us. He was going to join us now. He had to go. He's going on television. Maybe he'll pop on to us before the end of the block. So it has been an explosion. That was projected last night and warned about. Uh, many suspect it's ISIS-K. There seemed to be an anti-especially uh, anti-American group, anti-Western group. Some say they are rivals with the Taliban. Last night there were 5,000 Afghans and potentially some Americans outside this so-called Abbey Gate, Gate A. The explosion, again, it's unclear how big it is. It comes hours after the State Department warned Americans out the, uh, in Kabul, don't come to the airport, and if you're there, leave immediately. Now, think about how serious this is. We know it's the only way out. We know we're supposed to get out by Tuesday. We know that to get to the airport, you had to beat multiple checkpoints and probably got beat up in the process, let alone terrorized. And knowing that, they still made the announcement that do not come to the airport. Do not come. Now, you worry about our men, our Marines, our Army, our 82nd, the ones that are inside the Kabul airport, the Karzai airport. And you wonder if there's an explosion, if it rippled there. Those don't look like bomb-protected uh, walls. So, uh, you know, when a bomb comes out with a dense population like this in an area that is not a stranger to bombs, it is a big issue. So we'll continue to look into that. But— Dan, Dan, uh, Dan Hoffman was prescient in saying this is part of the reason why we can't leave until all our people are out. Here's what he said. He also talked about after being a CIA station chief in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Iraq, as well as Russia. And I think I forgot a country or two. Uh, this is what he's saying is already happening on the ground. Cut 13. And we are watching Afghanistan being transformed into a, into a terrorist state. Um, The Taliban has sheltered and provided sanctuary for al-Qaeda for years. It is a petri dish of of terrorist threats to our nation. And right now, 
Uh, our military is there, but not with the kind of force that we once had. Remember, we gave up Bagram Air Base mm -hmm. and withdrew our military. That's what started all of this. And what I would also highlight is we negotiated the Doha settlement back in February of 2020. That was the time for us to start thinking about how we're going to get our people out mm -hmm. and how we're going to get out uh, our Afghan uh, partners who are in harm's way. And we didn't do that, and we withdrew all of our capability. We don't have an intelligence footprint. We don't have a military kinetic capability like we used to. And, and again, we're, we're seeing the results of that very failed policy over the past few months. It is true, and we already know that about 5,000 Afghans and maybe potentially Americans were outside that airport. The explosion, they were told to clear out. I'm not sure if they did. Uh, but I will know this. The explosion, again, has happened. has been confirmed. We're looking into casualties, the damage, and the responsible party. John, listening on WOKV in Jacksonville. John, real quick, what's on your mind? Oh, Brian, how are you? Um, just really frustrated that us as the United States, the most powerful military in the world, is going to bow down to a bunch of ragtag cavemen. What's going to happen when China and Russia decides that they're going to move on Taiwan and uh, Ukraine. We're not going to do anything. Nothing. And we're, we're, I mean, it's just showing all our enemies that we're weak, weak leadership. John, we gave them the money to get the R&D, to have the best military in the world. Everybody listening contributed in some way, and they're not using it. Our men and women have been trained. They want to work. They want to keep Americans safe. They want to retrieve Americans. They are not allowed. This is all about leadership, not a reflection on our military. They're ready to go. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, thankfully heard around the world, and all our focus is around the world, specifically Afghanistan. This hour, we're going to be joined by Frank Siller. There wouldn't be a need for this organization if it wasn't for the Taliban and al-Qaeda. He's the Tunnel for Towers. His brother was cut down that day running into the towers 20 years later the country responsible the people responsible uh came from afghanistan uh they're now back in control of that country frank siller will be joining us senator joni ernst armed services committee small business committee she's a vet she'll be joining us 23 years uh 23 years in the military chris wallace standing by there's been uh there's breaking news there's been an explosion as predicted, outside Hamid Karzai Airport, we're still trying to get some details. We have some still pictures. That's all. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Gavin Newsom. The way he slammed this state down, ignoring science, in the most severe way compared to all the other 49 states. Let Joe Biden defend that record. I welcome that. And maybe Joe Biden can encourage Gavin Newsom to debate me. Uh, that is uh, somebody about to make history, perhaps. So that is Larry Elder. If they are going to recall Gavin Newsom, he's likely the one to get it. What it means for the Democratic Party, bigger than Newsom, next. Number two. The gates to the airport are unlike anything I've ever seen. It is a throng of individuals, oftentimes thousands deep. I mean, it is a chaotic 
just incredibly dangerous and volatile mix. Uh, yes, uh, that is Peter Meyer. He went ahead along with uh, a fellow congressman, both vets, and went over to uh, Afghanistan to see the Kabul airport up close and personal. What he said and what the situation is on the ground, we'll look at it. Number one. Breaking news out of Kabul right now. Reports of an explosion outside of the Gat Abbey Gate, one of the main three gates on the ground there at the airport in Kabul. This was the exact piece of a possibility that U.S. officials were concerned about. And we got that missive last night, our time. Deadline remains, and as predicted, a terror attack happened. Kabul Airport, a target we knew, but we have to get people out some way, somehow, because we gave up all other air bases. We had nine military bases. We gave them all up for a civilian airport. Go figure. Uh, Let's bring in uh, Chris Wallace. Chris, we were given like 12 hours notice about this would-be attack. It seems to have happened. I'm just seeing, seeing blood and people walking around in still pictures acquired from Twitter. What are you hearing? Just what you are, which was, one, that there had been this warning about the gates and a specific warning that went out to the Americans somewhere south of 1,500, supposedly, that are still in Afghanistan. Stay away from the airport. Stay away from the gates. Obviously, a specific terror attack. There have been some before, which haven't turned out. This one, you know, horribly has. And you, you hope that the crowd was smaller. You hope the, there was no crowd, but certainly that it was smaller because of the warning. But this is when, you, when you're leaving a country and you don't have control of the, of the streets leading up to uh, an airport, uh, this kind of thing is, is a real danger that it's going to happen. And, and, you know, we just hope and pray for anybody who was in that vicinity at that time. Well, think about how serious this is. They were serious enough to know it's, there's only one way out. We know we got a, between five and 15,000 Americans in there, maybe more, maybe less. We don't know. And yet we said the only way out, rather than show up at the airport, which is the only way to get out, go home. Go home. I don't care what checkpoints you find, found a way to get through that the Taliban man, go home because it's too dangerous to come. I don't know how many listened, but it just makes me wonder— uh, if this deadline is at all practical, feasible, or are we just willing to leave American, American civilians behind? H.R. McMaster just commented on this. You know, he wrote books on this. He knows this region. He was in on the invasion. Let's listen to what he said about oh, what could be a suicide bomber. Siraj Haqqani is the number two person uh, in, in the Taliban, the military commander who just put together this massive campaign. He is in charge of security in Kabul now. And what the Haqqani network does is provide a bridge between al-Qaeda and the Taliban. Those two organizations are completely intertwined. Mm. The Haqqani network specializes in two things, taking hostages and committing mass murder attacks against innocents. I would not be surprised at all if this ISIS-K attack is just a straw man. It's just a front for the Taliban who are actually organizing the attack against us. And they do, you know, that's a great point uh, the general makes, uh, Chris, because they go out of their way to say an ISIS-K is an enemy of the Taliban. They're Afghans. We know that. So H.R. McMaster has seen the other side of the coin. Well, look, it's a mess. It's a witch's brew. And, and I, it is true that the Taliban and ISIS are fighting against each other. And who the heck knows whether it's the Taliban, whether it's al-Qaeda, whether it's ISIS, but you know, you're you're in a situation now where nobody can guarantee security to anybody. And you can sit there and say, well, you know, we should stay beyond the, the August 31st deadline. 
but you stay beyond the August 31st deadline and there are increases that you're going to throw good money after bad, if you will. I mean, what if what if they have a and Lord knows we've left enough equipment on the ground, a rocket propelled grenade that takes down a C-17 filled with people. So, you know, I look, there's no good answers at this point. I'm not sure staying beyond the deadline and making yourself even more a target to the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and ISIS-K is the way to go either. I hear you. Uh, by the way, I just got this. At least three U.S. troops have been wounded in the suicide attack outside the Abbey Gate. That's the initial report. Lucas Tomlinson got it from the Pentagon. I, I understand and, of course, appreciate your analysis and experience. But in, in my sense is we have a, the most professional military in the world that's been in, uh, in that country for 20 years. That's a fact, what I just said. If we know about a terror attack, but we're not stopping it, that's almost unprecedented. We gave 12-hour notice to a terror attack. We would usually just eliminate that target and stop the attack. I say, I say we bulk up to before we move out. Well, I, 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 you know, I, that's an argument, and, I'm, and, you know, we can both argue about that. But when you say if you know about the terror attack, you take it out, you, you, you know about the existence. You have chatter. But in, in every experience I've heard of, or the vast majority of them, they're not saying, hey, by the way, we're going to hit Abbey Gate at 8 a.m. You know, you just hear chatter among ISIS-K, we're going to attack the, the, the airport. So it, it isn't that easy to prevent it. And, and as terrible as the situation is now, it could get worse. Now, I understand the idea of coming back in, but now you're back in a war with the Taliban and with al-Qaeda and I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think there are two sides to that argument. I'm not, uh, I'm not smart enough to say what's the right side, right. but there are two sides. I will say this. The one thing I think we both can agree on, and most people that negotiate, almost everybody that negotiates the Taliban says they understand one thing is strength. And they need to be threatened. They need to know legitimate threat, not empty threats, but legitimate threats. This happens. One more explosion, a J-dam goes right on the palace. End of story. We're not afraid to fight the Taliban. We did it for 20 years. We'll do well, it for no, 20 that, more if we have that, to. That part of it, I'm not sure I agree about bulking up, but the idea of going to them and saying there is zero tolerance, you're in charge of the country, it's your responsibility. I know we like to say, oh, now we've turned it over to the Taliban. The Taliban has taken it. They are in control of the country, and I, the idea that we need to go to them and say there is zero tolerance. Anything happens in your country, in your streets— and you're going to be held responsible, and you're going to pay the price. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. So I thought you were brilliant, uh, especially brilliant on Sunday, and you were exasperated as I am uh, about what we're doing and the way we're doing it in bugging out of Afghanistan, especially the answers that you were getting. I want to let the listeners, in case they missed your Sunday show, and it's hard to imagine they did, have a little <laughs> of the sparring with you, Secretary of State Blinken. Cut 36. So, Secretary, does the president not know what's going on? This is an incredibly emotional time uh, for, for many of us, uh, and including allies and partners, who've been shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan, and we've been there together, believe Sir, the country. Sir, respectfully, that, that, look, the president said al-Qaeda is gone. It's not gone. The president said he's not heard any criticism from the allies. There's been a lot of criticism from the allies. Words matter, and the words mm. of the president matter most. Chris, all I can tell you is what, what I've heard. I've heard across the board Deep appreciation and thanks from allies and partners for everything that we've done. And, and that answer is ridiculous. Deep appreciation I, uh, and thanks. And you were and I looked at your face and you said, are you kidding? Is that your answer? Well, he did. I, in, in fairness to him, and I thought, uh, what's he going to say? 
I mean, there's only one thing to say, which is everything that that President Biden. And remember, this goes back to what President Biden said a week ago. I mean, last Friday, when he said exactly that Al Qaeda has gone from Afghanistan. We know they're in 15 provinces. There's been no criticism from the allies. We're getting blistered by the NATO allies and, and on and on. Uh, what's he going to what's he going to say? The president's out of it. The president uh, just was talking some, <laughs> a bunch of trash. I don't know. Uh, he was in a tough spot, but, uh, you know, he was trying to defend the indefensible. And that's never a good thing to have to do. Analysis. By the way, we're just getting more information and I'll give it to you again. The suicide. It's a suicide attack. It's not just an attack, a bombing, a truck bombing. It's not Beirut. It's a suicide attack. So H.R. McMaster was right in his prediction. We know three U.S. troops have been hurt in the Kabul airport. We know there's 5,400 left, roughly. According to the Pentagon, there was up as high as 5,800. I always, I'll just add this to the fray. The Turks were supposed to be the last men out to secure the airport. The Turks are going to be all out today. So if we are going to get out on, on the 31st, on Tuesday, if we are going to get out, who's going to be the last one? Who's going to be, uh, who's going to be shutting the lights? We're going to shut the lights and leave? We can't protect ourselves and get out. So that's something to think about. I, I like to know this, some analysis here and some of your sources. Who is making these decisions? According to Congress, House members that were briefed two days ago and Senate yesterday, uh, basically the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of Defense, uh, made it clear this they don't think they could get everybody out by the 31st. They also have made it clear in various New York Times, Washington Post stories, that they recommended that we stay. Millie in particular wanted 4,000, that we stay. This is not the right time to leave. Who is he listening to? Who do you think he's listening to? I Honestly, I think that Joe Biden, remember, go back to 2009 when President Obama decided to surge tens of thousands of troops into Afghanistan briefly. Remember, he said, I'm yep. surging them and I'll have them out by the end of the year. Uh, which was not a good commitment to say they're in, and I'm giving you the deadline when they're going to be out. Biden was completely against that, and he thought that that uh, the Pentagon was being was rolling a new president, and that we should just have a light counterterrorism footprint there. He may have been right about that, but my point is that he has wanted to get out of Afghanistan for over ten years, and now he's the president. And do I think he's I think he's overruling? Millie, I think he's overruling Austin. And, you know, honestly, he's the president. It may be a terrible mistake. I think, obviously, this has been very badly handled. But that, you know, the elections have consequences, as somebody once said. I just got to uh, shed more light on this. Uh, Fox News reporting is told that someone with a suicide vest followed by a gunfight. All airport gates are closed. This was described as, quote, a complex attack. So that's coming from Chad Pergram, uh, that just in. Um, Chris, who- Those raise the question, because we yeah. are still there, 5,000 troops. Obviously, getting through the streets to the airport is impossible now. I don't see how you could anybody would be willing to do that. So are we going to, and we've done this a few times, send helicopters over the walls to pick up people in downtown Kabul or outside? That may be a heck of a lot safer way to do it, of course, you know, with, with all the weapons we've left there. They can uh, a helicopter, uh, an American Black Hawk helicopter is a is a pretty sitting duck target. So, you know what? It's a mess. And it's not over. And I I just can't believe in my lifetime that we're willing to leave up to 5000 American citizens in country and negotiate after we left. 
uh, as Mike Walsh t- uh, texted me this morning, we've lost all leverage. It's a, called a hostage situation if we do that. And he's not just a congressman from Florida. He's Green Beret. And I know you know that just to tell everybody. Senator Tom yeah. Cotton also doing great work getting people out. Let me just say, we're going to have, we hope, uh, a top administration official on Sunday. And by then, it'll be even closer to the deadline, 48 hours, two days until the August 31st deadline. Where are we going to be? How many troops? Are we still able to get Americans out? What's the aftermath of this terror attack? The situation is going to change dramatically. We're going to have Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador and governor of South Carolina, who has roasted uh, President Biden about all of this. And, you know, we'll have live reports, the very latest on the situation Sunday morning. French officials are warning of a second explosion possible. White House will only say that the president has been briefed, promised to pass on more information, unclear if he is still in situation room, that according to his national security team. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. I'll I'll be watching, uh, as usual. And, of course, your book, uh, people should pre-order it because it really gives you some background on what led to this moment. Countdown Bin Laden, the untold story of the 247-day hunt to bring the mastermind of 9-11 to justice. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, sir. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We've just learned of a second explosion that occurred near Abbey Gate. This one we're told is near the Barron Hotel. That's a hotel that where Americans had gathered in the past for rescue operations. They had been exfiltrated from that hotel into the airport. But I can confirm not only have there been uh, American casualties um, among service members, uh, at least three, but also now there was a second explosion. That is why officials were telling me that this was a complex suicide attack um, that involved, now we know, two explosions. I'm not sure there were casualties. We know American service members, three, but that's a second explosion moments ago, confirmed by Jennifer Griffin, live on Fox News TV. We know this. The Barron Hotel is where 169 Americans were rescued late last week by three Army Chinook helicopters. That's uh, about 200 yards from Kabul Airport. It looks like they're terming it a complex attack. One involved a suicide bomber, as you heard. Uh, the French have, have confirmed, and now we've confirmed, the second explosion. They are still there. We've drawn down about 400 over the last 36 hours. We've got about 5,000-plus still on the ground there, and uh, we're waiting to see— uh, this terror attack. One was the suicide bomber, we know, and it was predicted by General McMaster live on our television a short time ago. This guy's written stories about our threats. He cannot believe the way this all went down. You can't believe the way all this went down. I can't believe the way this, all this went down. The ineptness, but sadly, I think we should take back Bagram Air Base. we got to mobilize our, our forces, take back Bagram Air Base, and then organize the exit of 5,000-plus Americans still in country. We cannot leave 5,000 Americans in that den of terror. The Taliban, how brutal, and they're going to be worse once we leave. We lose all leverage. But the terror attack that was predicted last night, Eastern Time, happened this morning, uh, a short time ago. Gates have been closed. They told everybody not to show up. They told him, I don't care how dangerous it is, go back to where you were, wait for instructions. 
Many didn't, perhaps, because they said, I have no way out. If I have to go back, I'm going to die. So maybe they didn't. Uh, there's an eyewitness now on television. We'll bring back some of what they're saying, what they see. Uh, but we see from a, a live shot, we see black smoke coming up from where uh, Karzai Airport is. So uh, there are planes on the ground. Uh, there are people inside the, the, the walls. On the outside of the walls, there are planes flying out. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show after the explosion that we're witnessing. Uh, she spent decades in the military. Now she's a uh, senator. Senator Joni Ernst coming up next. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There have been American persons injured. Um, again, there was a firefight that broke out. Um, this has been something that was being uh, word has been out for the last few days that ISIS was planning something of this uh, nature. Uh, the first thing that came to mind when I, on one of my first uh, um, runs to the to the gates to take people across was this would be a perfect scenario for a suicide bombing and would just cause mayhem. Wow. You can imagine thousands of people packed into a small, tiny area full of with luggage, mm-hmm. and one person with a luggage, 30 kilogram luggage full of explosions can cause mayhem. So here's what we could tell you. There's been an explosion in the Kabul airport. One of the explosions said to be at the Barron Hotel where 169 uh, Americans were taken and picked up by these uh, the Chinook helicopters um, a couple of days ago. Reuters is now saying at least 13 people have died, including, according to it, and they cite a Taliban official. They say that some of the Taliban have died in this attack. So we said it's also been termed a complex attack. So two explosions in all, a complex concerted attack. One is labeled a suicide attack. Eyewitnesses say at least two children die, including an infant. Joining me now, uh, is she here? Yeah, Senator Joni Ernst, uh, Armed Service Committee, Small Business Committee, but uh, most importantly, tap into your military background, 23 years uh, in uniform, Senator uh, they predicted this terror attack, uh, and we don't have all the details yet. What are you hearing? No, exactly. And we know probably the same as you do, Brian, that there have been um, at least two explosions. That's what we're hearing right now with many KIA. But we're, we've yet to determine if that includes um, American service members we're not positive yet. This is a heartbreaking development. We knew that there were threats, um, but this is so so extremely important to understand. This is why we need to get our Americans safely out of Afghanistan. There are so many terrorist organizations that have taken over the country. Um, of course, ISIS-K is there. We know that the Taliban, uh, large in part, controls the country. Al-Qaeda is still there. And we know that this country and its inhabitants will continue to be a threat uh, to the United States. We'd love to get our friends and allies, and especially our American citizens out as quickly and as safely as possible. We've got three U.S. Marines we've confirmed uh, have been wounded. We do not know anymore. We know that every gate is now closed and not safe to go. We know as dangerous as it is, how many checkpoints have to be hurdled. 
We told everybody making their way to the airport to go home. We said it last night, and now we said it again through a State Department missive. We got about 5,000 people on the ground, Senator. We have to find a way. Uh, instead of running out and leaving 5,000, I don't care if it's 1,000 or 100 Americans behind, which I'm pretty sure we never have done before intentionally. Instead of doing that, we have to go back and find a way to take Bagram Air Base back and say we are not leaving until every American is out safely. Because if we leave, they become hostages. Am I right, Senator? Absolutely, Brian. I could not agree more. They are sitting ducks. And we are the United States of America. We leave no man behind. Um, I have called on President Biden to devote all means necessary all means necessary to ensure that every American citizen and all of our eligible Afghan partners are successfully evacuated. This has been a debacle since day one. Since day one, this all falls on President Biden's shoulders. You know, we have so many military members that have given so much over the past 20 years in the global war on terror. And God bless those gold star families out there right now today that are wondering, what the heck is going on? Was the loss of my loved one worth this sacrifice? Um, to them, I say thank you so much. Um, God bless you. Our country has been safe for the past 20 years because of the devotion and love of these service members for our country. But Biden has tossed that all down the garbage. And I think the American people understand it. I think they understand the rest stuff is intramural, shirts and skins, scrimmages compared to this. This is life and death and long-term safety and security of our country. Uh, Just to review, there's been two explosions that we can confirm. It's been called a complex series of attacks. Three American servicemen, we now know it to be Marines. Reuters is saying as many as 13 have been hurt, including Taliban. They cite Taliban sources, and they go on to say that some of the people hurt are Taliban security officials. Hard to believe because they just seem to be harassment professionals. One of the explosions near the Barron Hotel. Have you been to Afghanistan? I have. I've been to Afghanistan multiple times as a United States senator. I served in Kuwait and Iraq um, when I was in the military, but did not serve in Afghanistan. But I have visited many times to go see our Iowa Army National Guard troops, other uh, specialized units that uh, were in Afghanistan. And they operate under very difficult conditions. And I've seen the training that they have done for the Afghan military. Uh, It's so unfortunate that all of that hard work that our American service members have put into Afghanistan to stabilize it and to make sure that we don't see those terrorist attacks directed at our homeland, all of that really at this point is for naught. Um, So we have to, right now at this point, focus on getting our American citizens safely out of Afghanistan, making sure that we get our Afghan partners out of Afghanistan, then we have to find a way to secure or destroy the military equipment that was left behind by the Biden administration. And then we have to be very clear-eyed moving forward about the terrorist threat now to our homeland. Uh, Both leaders, both Trump and, and, and Biden, should have been clear that we're not looking to occupy those days of trying to get democracy in there flew out the first few years. We were saying it's to our security interest to keep an eye and a lid on what is happening over there so things don't explode over here. That's what it would have been worth the American investment with the CIA bases we now know and the nine bases we all gave up. I'm going to tell you what the AP has just told us. 
Uh, the AP is saying two dead, 15 wounded. They have not disseminated between whether they're American or not. I'm going to share with you a tweet that Larry Logan put out, who I would argue knows as much as any reporter in the country about this country. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. said, listening to Tony Blinken talk about the Taliban is like having your brain sucked out of your head. How can the U.S. Secretary of State say with a straight face that a government of terrorists is potentially an ally in the U.S. counterterror efforts? That is true. And I'm going to bring it to what General McMaster said 20 minutes ago. He said, I would not be surprised that the so-called ISIS-K is a cutout by the Taliban so they can humiliate us on the way out. Senator Ernst, your thoughts about what I just said. Yeah, and uh, General McMaster, I think he does have a a good line on something there, is that uh, we have been hearing these threats. And if the Taliban was sincere about making sure that Americans and Afghan partners uh, had safe passage, uh, they would have made sure. Um, But uh, I think that there are many terrorist threats that continue to exist in Afghanistan, and I don't think that we have seen the last of them as we exit the country. I do think we have to be vigilant. We have to make sure that we're securing our Americans and getting them out of there as quickly as possible. But then again, Brian, you know, just going back to the fact of the matter, we don't have eyes and ears on the ground like we did. We will not be able to necessarily contain uh, terrorism in the the country of Afghanistan the way that we have in the past 20 years. And I think it it, uh, does broaden the threat to us here in the United States and, of course, our allied nations as well, as we see al-Qaeda, ISIS-K, other terrorist organizations continue to grow and develop and reconstitute in the country of Afghanistan. in your opinion, which you can tell me, since you're on armed services, do you believe that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary of Defense are, uh, are involved in the decision-making in these policies? Do you believe they're in support of it? I believe that they are giving their best military advice to our commander-in-chief. Um, I do believe that. But as far as that's involved in the decision-making process, I would say President Biden is the one that is making all of these decisions. I put this squarely on President Biden's shoulders. Um, I know that there are many plans that exist out there. There were many plans presented to the president, many courses of action. Joe Biden is the one that has decided which direction we have gone, and it has led to um, extreme failure um, from all fronts. And when people are listening right now say, well, it was President Trump that started negotiating with the Taliban. President Trump wanted him out even sooner. This would have happened just under his reelection instead of his one term. What do you say that Trump would have done this? This would have happened to Trump, too. Well, no, because uh, President Trump, even though he was involved in the negotiation of uh, this withdrawal, what President Trump had warned was that a hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum for terrorists, including ISIS and al-Qaeda. And I absolutely agreed with that when he said it. And he warned And yet we saw President Biden do a hasty and haphazard withdrawal. And what do we see on the ground today? Exactly what President Trump had predicted if a hasty withdrawal were done. Um, So Biden, 
he has had every opportunity to renegotiate this contract or this deal with the Taliban, for heaven's sakes. I mean, you see what he did with the XL pipeline. You see what he's doing with the Iran uh, treaty, uh, the, the nuclear deal. We see what he did with Remain in Mexico. He makes all these calls contrary to what President Trump did. So he can't blame President Trump for this. President Trump laid down the groundwork. Biden took it, flew with it, did it his own way, went against military advice. And we see now the, the debacle that we are going through and the significant uh, strain and stress that this will put on our military. And again, we have to be thankful that they have been willing to stand up and fight against terrorism for the past 20 years. But unfortunately, at this point going forward, we have to be even more vigilant right here at home because we know these threats are going to reconstitute and be aggressive from Afghanistan. Just to review, uh, Senator Joni Ernst, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We had a lot of breaking news. Uh, but all I would say is this. Uh, when I talk to Michael Walsh and I talk to Tom Cotton on and off the air, they're not giving up, uh, badgering the president not to leave before Americans get out. I hope you won't either. I will not. And I guarantee you, we've got a number of friends across the aisle, Democrats even, that are coming forward and telling Biden you're doing the wrong thing. We've got to stay at it. And 5,800 aren't enough to do the right thing. I agree. We had this terror. We had a heads up on this terror threat. It wasn't chatter. We knew it was coming. In past, we tried to eliminate it, but we're not allowed to shoot at people now. Uh, and maybe that's oh, the reason why this crazy. happened. Senator Joni Ernst, right. thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for your Thank service. You. Appreciate Thank you, it. Brian. All right. Uh, so we know this. Uh, the AP now reporting two dead, 15 wounded. Among, uh, among the casualties, we understand are Americans. We had an earlier report that three uh, three casualties among the Mar- uh, Americans, and they were considered to be Marines. Uh, there are at least 13 killed, according to uh, Reuters' report. One of the explosions of the two explosions uh, happened at the Barron Hotel, just a short uh, feet, away, just a few feet away. We understand from the airport itself, the, uh, the State Department is saying U.S. citizens stay away. They said it last night. Now we know, according to one eyewitness, amongst the dead, an infant. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. More on this breaking news in just a moment. Sir, what will you do if Americans are still there after the deadline? Peter, let's go. Come on, thank you. No? You'll be the first person I'll call. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Now the mission would be to get as many people out of the Kabul International Airport as quickly as possible. You had thousands of Afghan evacuees on the tarmac. You have uh, 5,200 U.S. troops on the ground still. 600 have come out in the last two days, but 5,200 U.S. troops who are now quickly trying to evacuate those who are inside the airport. So we, uh, we're looking at this explosion right now, and I'm seeing some video online, can't be confirmed it, but if this video is accurate outside the airport, there's much more than 13 hurt. Uh, there's, right now we've confirmed 
uh, two dead, 15 wounded, and uh, three wounded are Americans. We know that. We believe they're Marines. There's been an explosion, at least two, outside Kabul Airport, and it is was predicted, the Karzai Airport, it was predicted. Uh, the drawdown has already taken place. People are flying out. But if I'm, if this video is correct, I'm seeing at least 50 bodies. Joining me now is uh, Frank Siller. Chairman and CEO of Tunnels and Towers Foundation. That we wouldn't have needed the Tunnels and Towers Foundation if there wasn't a 9-11 attack. We wouldn't have been in Afghanistan if there wasn't a 9-11 attack. And 20 years later, we're leaving, and there's carnage left behind. Frank is doing a heroic thing. He's walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville, and then from Shanksville, he's walking to the World Trade Center. He's going to be there by 9-11. Uh, Frank is chairman and CEO of Tunnels and Towers Foundation. Uh, go to T2T.org and support all those who sacrifice so much on a daily basis uh, for this country uh, since 9-11. Frank, welcome back. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me. And I'm praying for all Americans, all our soldiers over there who, again, are protecting our country here. It's so sad. I've been talking to Gold Star Widows for the last uh, couple of weeks uh, since this debacle uh, started uh, over there in Afghanistan, and the greatest country in the world, and we can't do something right, like leave a country and protect our Americans. It's so sad. And we're leaving Afghanis that helped us on the war on terror. Uh, you know what the Taliban's going to do to these families. Don't be naive. We know they're going to get slaughtered. And uh, it's uh, it's disturbing, uh, to say the least. And you talk to a lot of vets. And by the way, I was at your concert on Saturday, extremely patriotic event. It gives you a good, good great sense in the pouring rain with the flooding in the bay. The place was almost packed. <laughs> Uh, while they canceled things at Central Park, you guys persevered till one thirty in the morning. It was an amazing event that you put together, all because people want to give back. These uh, these groups, these celebrities, from Colin Quinn to Journey uh, to Wyclef John, which is another level of great. Into uh, but we're talking about that and came together to give back to those who give so much. That's why you go to t2t.org, and you'll never regret it. We're still covering this story. You're in touch with so many vets. How are they handling the way we're pulling out of Afghanistan? Well, you know, we built specially adopted smart homes for our country's most catastrophically injured servicemen. They left their body there. They, these are double, triple, quadruple amputees that left their bodies there. And uh, it's, it, I talked to them. They're beside themselves because they let their buddies there, too. Their buddies were <laughs> – many of them died there. And, uh, and I talked to Gold Star Widows where – uh, where they are distraught. Distraught is, is the word because, you know, they get lost their loved one. They gave their life to their country, and they see how we're leaving there in a way that is just not dignified for a country like ours. It's just I don't know who's making these decisions, but they're horrific, and it's going to cost American lives, and it's, and, and it's going to cost more lives down the road because they see such uh, weakness uh, in, in, our, in our country and, with these type of disorders. And you worry about the mental health, Frank, the invisible wounds, uh, and you wonder oh what it's God. for, and that's what makes it harder to deal with. And no one deals with it more directly than Frank Siller, just trying to help. Chairman and CEO of Tunnel to Towers Foundation, T2T.org, doing this great walk uh, so no one ever forgets the Never Forget Walk 20th anniversary. Frank Siller, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian, for having me on today. Let's pray for these Americans. Absolutely. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. This is Brian Kilmeade. And as predicted, sadly, there's been a two, at least two huge explosions in Kabul. What we're learning about the explosions, two of them, one taking place near the Abbey Gate and one near the Barron Gate. These are two of the main entrances to the airport in Kabul, where U.S. forces had helped to set a perimeter so that they could help with the flow of evacuees onto the airfield. This was likely, according to reports, an attack conducted by ISIS-K. This is a group that both British and American intelligence officials were warning about over the past several days. Again, this explosion, though, reported outside of Abbey Gate, reportedly killing a number of people and injuring dozens more. Okay, I wanted to bring you that. Trey Yink said that moments ago. We're using all the resources of Fox News to find out the details. As you know, we're supposed to be out of Afghanistan, sadly, by August 31st. We also know there's at least 1,500 U.S. passport holders in that country, and it looks as though this president was intent on abandoning them. And now, yesterday, last night, our time, Eastern time, we found out about a terror threat so grave we told everyone at the airport, U.S. allies, uh, uh, friends, as well as passport holders, leave. Go home. We know you're going to have to go through all these checkpoints, manned by the Taliban again, but it's so dangerous, go home. And now we know why. There's been at least two explosions. One explosion by the Barron Hotel. There's casualties. This was second explosion, where the first one was a suicide bomber. It went off in a huge crowd. I've seen this video online. If it's indeed accurate, there is so much more than 13 casualties. The Russians are reporting 13 dead, 15 wounded. French President uh, Macron says the situation, the security situation is deteriorating markedly. Uh, We are trying to find out details at this moment. Uh, One of the busiest guys around to provide insight, former Green Beret, now in the National Guard, Congressman from Florida, Michael Walsh, joins us now. Congressman, uh, you heard some of the facts that we've been able to acquire. What else could you tell us? Yeah, Brian, we, we were actually briefed on this uh, on this threat reporting uh, yesterday. Uh, it was very credible uh, uh, in terms of a suicide bomber with what they call a uh, complex attack, where uh, the terrorists will hit with a suicide bomber and then follow up with gunmen to try to breach uh, a, a, a perimeter. Uh, and hence, you saw the, the, the threat reporting last night. Look, this is uh, highly likely from ISIS. Uh, what they're calling ISIS-K, which is an offshoot of, uh, of the main uh, ISIS. Uh, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a, the most extreme and hardcore terrorist organization uh, out there. Uh, they oftentimes uh, are opposed uh, to the Taliban. Uh, and, you know, this deal that, that Biden has with the Taliban is something they're looking to, to disrupt. At the end of the day, they want to kill Americans. Uh, and whether they kill him in Kabul or they follow him, follow us home to Kansas City, uh, they don't care. We, we get that. We thought America's been schooled on the terror threat, but evidently uh, this administration's gone brain dead and expects us to forget along with them. And we are leaving a country. They said, well, Al-Qaeda is not there. Al-Qaeda is there. The Akani Network wearing our gear is patrolling the security situation in and around the capital of that country. 
I want you yep. to hear what General McMaster just said and about what he thinks ISIS-K is. Listen. Siraj Haqqani is the number two person uh, in, in the Taliban, the military commander who just put together this massive campaign. He is in charge of security in Kabul now. And what the Haqqani network does is provide a bridge between al-Qaeda and the Taliban. Those two organizations are completely intertwined. Mm. The Haqqani network specializes in two things, taking hostages and committing mass murder attacks against innocents. I would not be surprised at all if this ISIS-K attack is just a straw man. It's just a front for the Taliban who are actually organizing the attack against us. We'll wait for the intelligence to come in, but that's not a guy without experience. Your thoughts? Well, that, that is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a plausible theory uh, that is slightly different than what we're getting briefed. I don't want to get in, into the details there, but at, at the end of the day, what we can't lose sight of is that this crisis, this situation where we're having to choose between keeping the air bridge open and exposing our soldiers to these types of attacks or abandoning American citizens behind Taliban lines, uh, this, this horrible choice that we're facing is because of Joe Biden and his team's incompetence. Members of Congress, myself, Republicans, Democrats, have been demanding he start the, ev the evacuation months ago. We, we started demanding it in April. He didn't even set up a task force to look at the problem until June and didn't start in a serious way uh, in, in, until August. So they drug their feet on this thing, and here we are at the nth hour uh, about to leave Americans behind because they're going to use this to just justify getting out. So right now, Brian, we let me tell you, yeah. let me Go tell ahead. you, this is going to be the largest mass hostage situation. Uh, and that's where McMaster is exactly right. Every time the Taliban have a demand going forward for access to billions and reserves, for access to economic assistance, for international recognition, if they don't get their way, they go down the street and take a hostage. Uh, and this same team that is driving this disaster around Biden is the same team that was around Obama that did the Bergdahl trade, the Iran deal, Benghazi, uh, the mess in Iraq that led to the rise of ISIS over there. Uh, it, 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 to your first question, either Biden is just clueless, uh, ignorant, uh, heartless. Uh, you know, I'm not sure yet, uh, or maybe all of the above. But there's so much at stake, and I think we have enough time to maybe force him to reverse himself, my hope, because it went from 5,800 to around 5,000 troops inside that Kabul airport. After this explosion, now we don't even know where the Americans are. We told them to go home. There's at least 1,500 U.S. passport holders there. Why not go big, take back Bagram Air Base, if, uh, and, and just say we are not leaving until we get each and every one? And we and and if I could quote you exactly, we will drop a J dam on the palace, unless this is uh, unless we get our people. No, that's right. That's how you deal with the Taliban, and and I've had to sit across the table from them. They understand strength and leverage, and bombs on foreheads. And you tell them we're going to go out and get every American, and you get in our way, we'll kill you. That's what they understand, uh, and the military. We've been briefed, have contingencies to do that. I'm talking to special operators in Kabul airport right now that are ready to go get our people. Uh, but their hands are tied by this feckless and weak White House that just wants this to go away. Uh, they just want to get this off their headlines so they can get back to uh, their socialist domestic programs 
But that, that's not how this works. Uh, this problem is going to spread like a cancer. Uh, what happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan. His own intelligence community is telling us that al-Qaeda and the Taliban are absolutely married at the hip. They will come roaring back, and this will follow us home, Brian. So NATO allies, Poland and Belgium, ended their evacuation flights ahead of this explosion. And Turkey, which has played a big role in airport security, is beginning to withdraw. Wait a second, Michael. Uh, Michael Waltz, we're, they're supposed to provide the security as we leave. If they're gone, yeah. who's going to be watching us as the last man gets out, which I hope is after August 30th? But what if it's not? Yeah, look, as you start collapsing that perimeter— this is going to get very dicey very fast. Those last few Americans on the ground uh, that are, <laughs> are trying to hold a very long runway so that you can take off, but also uh, get on the plane as we thin the line, uh, th- this could be a catastrophe in the making. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm confident in our planners to make it happen, but this is incredibly dicey, and this is only because Biden chose to give up Bagram. Bagram is 30 miles to the north, easily defendable with two large uh, uh, runways. Uh, the, the mistakes, you know, are just are really endless uh, at this point, Brian. It, this is incompetence at its worst. I want to give you this report. Uh, I'll read it together. We'll hear it for the first time. A video of more than a dozen bloodied, lifeless bodies of Afghan women and children are lying on the ground outside Abbey Gate. Uh, Tolo News is saying 30 wounded uh, they arrived at Kabul Surgical Center, six other dead on arrival. We know three Americans, and we believe the Marines were uh, hurt. One is considered serious. Those are initial reports, not taken back. We expect that number to grow. There's 5,200 troops. They tell us, I don't know what to believe, uh, at the airport right now. They say planes are leaving every 40 minutes. I'm sure they're not leaving now. Having said all that, if we do leave uh, on the 30th, when we are planning to do it. I'm not sure how, but that means we're going to be leaving Americans behind. And I know that this is a country that negotiates to get Korean War remains back, who <laughs> will go will put their lives on the line to get back a soldier or Marine or Air Force member who were killed in battle. And now yeah. we're going to leave, leave citizens who don't know anything about combat. We're somehow serving our country. Unbelievable. When you were briefed on the terror threat, do you believe this is a terror threat that could have been eliminated? You know, hard to tell, uh, to be honest with you, Brian, hard to tell. But when I tell you what could be done, uh, well, when I say it's hard to tell is whether the intelligence was specific enough or whether it was specific enough and they just weren't allowed to go outside the airport to deal with it. But I can tell you for certain uh, our special operators are ready to go get Americans both inside of Kabul and out in the hinterlands outside of Kabul, and they're not being allowed to. And that, to me, is criminal uh, because we are going to leave Americans behind. And you have this narrative that, well, maybe they didn't want to go. They're trying to parse the difference. Yeah, Find me an American that doesn't want to get out of there. What's happening is many of them have local national families, uh, and they're being told, I just had this happen last night. You've got to leave your family behind. Uh, we're only taking U.S. passport holders. Uh, and this was after we guided them. I was up all night, Brian, guiding Americans and, uh, and uh, green card holders to the gate, and they weren't allowed in. Eventually, they were offered to be allowed in, but they had to leave their family behind, and they refused. 
So does Biden count that as uh, someone who doesn't want to leave? Uh, that's the kind of garbage that we're seeing coming out of uh, Jen Psaki uh, in the White House right now. And it is I mean, they're 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 lying. They're spinning uh, and they're trying to cover up for this disaster. Fifteen hundred Americans, including 24 California students and 16 teachers, are still stuck in Afghanistan. Are we going to leave California high school students and teachers in Afghanistan and pretend as if the military doesn't want to do it? They want to do it. Nobody wants anyone in danger. But, man, if you if you tell a man or woman in uniform there are American civilians in trouble, they live for that moment. They're trained for that moment. And just so you That's know, right. this isn't just Republicans. There are every member of the of the so-called Problem Solvers Caucus. Republicans and Democrats have signed off in support of extending this deadline. Democratic lawmakers, including Alyssa Slotkin, former Assistant Secretary of Defense, wants to stay, told Joe Biden that yesterday. Mikey Shero, former U.S. Navy helicopter Democrat pilot, uh, former federal prosecutor, told Joe Biden we have to extend this deadline. It is not just Michael Waltz Green Beret. It is Americans that care about Americans. Congressman both of the, Brian, both yes. of those female veteran Democrats were in the briefings with me yesterday uh, that were on the phone with Biden last night, pleading with him to extend this deadline and do not leave Americans behind. Uh, so he is ignoring his intelligence community. He's ignoring the Pentagon. He's even ignoring his fellow Democrats that are veterans that know the implications of this. Uh, But at the end of the day, their plan is to be nice to the Taliban so that when we're gone, the Taliban have promised us they'll still let Americans leave. Let me tell you something. They've been holding Navy veteran Mark Frerichs hostage for the last year and a half with demands. Uh, And every time they have a demand, they're going to grab another hostage. Uh, So, again, this administration wouldn't understand leverage and strength uh, if it hit them upside the head, this is not how you deal with terrorists. They're going to take advantage. They smell weakness. Uh, and this is going to put America in a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, you know, they, they think this is going to go away with the news cycle. They think we're going to focus on preschool and free school lunches uh, and, uh, or free elder care. Uh, I, I think more of the American people than that. We get it. This is life and death, and this isn't politics. Congressman, thanks so much. Michael Walsh, appreciate everything you're doing. Okay, Brian, we'll keep up the fight. Yep, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll just give you the latest. There's been two explosions, one outside the airport, uh, just outside the airport at the Barron Hotel, the other a suicide bomber in the middle of a big crowd. Uh, if you're if I'm to believe some of this video, there are dozens of people hurt or dead, and it looks as though they've confirmed 30 wounded and many uh, women and children. An eyewitness said they watched an infant die Uh, in the arms of someone standing right next to them. This is an ugly day, but a day in which we have to follow the carnage to make sure it stops here. What the next move will define maybe a generation of war fighters and certainly this president. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We are being told by Pentagon and White House officials it is not accurate to say 
that the evacuation has has ended. Uh, they are still there are planes taking off every 40 minutes with Afghan evacuees. There are still uh, measures in place to continue evacuations. They are obviously securing the perimeter at the airport. In terms of what we know from Fox News reporting, we know that there were two explosions, one suicide bombing uh, outside the Abbey Gate, another explosion at the Barron Hotel. We know that a firefight ensued. This was described to me by my sources uh, as a complex terror attack. The assumption right now is that while there's no confirmation of who is responsible for this complex terror attack, that ISIS-K had been warning about this kind of attack. The assumption right now is that this was carried out by an ISIS cell. There had been warnings about it for days. That's why the State Department told Americans to not come to those gates last night, to evacuate those gates. Americans and other Afghans are told to get into those gates at this point. Uh, they are—and in terms of casualties, I myself have seen video where I could count at least a dozen dead Afghan civilians uh, outside the Abbey Gate. It was heartrending. Their, their, their lifeless bodies, women, children. The Taliban are saying that at least 13 dead. We know from Tolo News reports of casualties coming into the main surgical center in Kabul that at least 30 casualties have arrived uh, among those at least six dead. So that is Jennifer Griffin's reporting right outside the Pentagon. They have put off their briefings after the uh, couple of explosions, at least, followed by gunfire. We're not sure who is responsible for the gunfire uh, outside uh, Hamid Karzai Airport. We also know the Barron Hotel was the destination or was another where uh, explosion was uh, taking place. And you just heard Jennifer talk about 30 casualties. I've seen the same report. We did confirm 13 dead, 15 wounded. So these are some of the details that we're getting. And they do go on to say that the planes, and we're seeing, seeing video right now, the planes continue to leave Kabul Airport. But the image of America uh, under attack and flying out is not an image that needed to take place. We have plenty of firepower. We've defeated them every single time in every single event. And in, in the most uh, obscure circumstances, the farthest outpost you can imagine, and now in the center of the most populous city, we are leaving when we could turn around and blow them all away. Who exactly responsible? We don't know. But what do they believe? Islamic fundamentalism and that America is the great Satan. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show, and we come back. More expertise. Morgan Ortega's former State Department spokesperson who's working very hard to get people out. Americans out, allies of ours out. And it looks like now we're leaving them behind. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We know from Pentagon sources, and anybody on the Hill is getting their information from here at the Pentagon, that it was a coordinated attack. Anytime you have two explosions, a suicide bombing and an ongoing firefight and a second explosion at a, a nearby hotel, that is a coordinated terrorist attack. The question is, who carried it out? And right now, there's no way of knowing and there's no way of of going after those who are responsible for that attack. Uh, and right. right now, the military is just trying to get those evacuees off the tarmac and out of harm's way.
And and that's what they're doing. They're still having fights out. It makes us, uh, we're not attacking the terrorists. Uh, we don't know the details of the terror attack. There's multiple explosions. It's been termed a complex attack. We know there was some shooting after. We don't know if they were shooting back or part of the attack. One was a suicide bomber. I did see some video. It is pretty con- It's pretty much confirmed as most of these casualties seem to be women and children. Morgan Ortegas joins us now, former State Department spokesperson. Uh, Morgan, uh, welcome back. They told us about this terror attack, but they were unable to stop it. Yeah, and I think, Brian, I think the sinking feeling amongst so many of us that have been working for the past two weeks to get people out is it was just, I think we all sort of knew, uh, those of us who worked in Afghanistan on counterterrorism, we knew it was a race against the clock before this happened. And and obviously you hope it doesn't, but... um, this is the attack that I had been dreading and fearing was headed our way. So the Taliban, quote, has essentially completely stopped letting Afghans through, mostly letting Americans through. And although Americans are staying away because they were told to, uh, military continues to retrograde and depart the airport. Almost a certainty the Americans will be left behind. They'll have to be extracted after the fact, either uh, through Taliban negotiations or unconventional means. Why would we leave Americans behind? Why is that not part of the plan to stay until they're out? Yeah, and the, and the messaging just continues to be so off and, and callous from this administration. Uh, we saw the former ambassador on television yesterday saying uh, that the Americans that remain have been told for weeks, if not months, that they need to get out and, uh, and that they're basically choosing to stay. Well, I think the likely scenario, uh, you're choosing to stay potentially number one because you couldn't get through all the checkpoints and get to the airport. Number two, you may have family there that the U.S. is telling you that you cannot um, – Uh, take with you. And so you're having to make incredibly tough choices. I mean, who amongst us would leave our parents there sitting ducks for the Taliban, right? Just as an example. So um, I I just, you know, the, the, the callousness of this messaging coming out of the administration, they've doubled down on it. No one, forget, I tweeted this this morning, Brian, or maybe it was late last night. It's all starting to run together. Forget firings. No one has even resigned in protest. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know how you go to those podiums or remain a part of this administration after you have seen this. I mean, where where is the line for these people? I don't know. I don't know how if the American people are going to give them a pass. I mean, I'm watching now some video from afar of the explosions. It looks like two substantial explosions. One took place 20 seconds after the other. We understand gunfire is a part of it. Uh, so the attack is taking place. Uh, are you to believe at face value that that ISIS-K is an enemy of the Taliban and might be doing it to make the Taliban look bad? Or do you think that's a line? We had General McMaster on the channel who thinks she's a cutout. Uh, I mean, listen, there, there's no doubt that the two have fought and been at odds. Um, and, but I mean, the, the bottom line is I, I don't think they did this to make the Taliban look bad. I think they did this because they are, you know, medieval psychopaths who saw the opportunity to kill civilians and maybe kill uh, Americans in the process. And so they took the opportunity and they clearly have waited a few days and planned this out. If it's them, by the way, I mean, I should say the U.S. government has not confirmed that it's them. It's all of our assumption it's them. But there are you know, plenty of other bad actors in the region that it could be as well. So, uh, Morgan, when you when you talk about what's been taking place behind the scenes, what have you been able to do or work with others to do to try to extract Americans or Afghan interpreters? Yeah, it's it's been um, it, it's it, it, it's been sort of beyond comprehension. So, I would say that it's been in, in a couple different shifts. Um, for about ten days ago, 
Um, I, when I realized 11 days ago, something like that, uh, when you sort of started looking at the gravity of the situation, especially seeing Ghani was fleeing, um, one of the first things that I thought is anybody that I know that helped us, uh, you know, that helped the U.S. Uh, or our Americans, you got to get them out. It doesn't matter which way, get them on the first plane and get them out. And so I took that tactic um, and was able, thankfully, uh, through the cutteries, actually, through the uh, through their embassy in D.C., um, to get one uh, one of my friends and his immediate family out, and then um, and then several days later, we actually got the rest of his extended family. And he was worried about, you know, should I go to Doha? You know, am I going to get am I going to end up getting asylum in the U.S. or in Canada? I think it's going to actually be Canada. But I just told him and everyone else I knew, get out, get the hell out. Whatever it doesn't matter if you end up in Albania and Macedonia and Doha, whatever country, whatever base, it doesn't matter. Just get out of there. And Brian, unfortunately. The attack that you saw at the airport today is why um, so many of us were just trying to get people out by by military charters, the cutteries, whatever means um, necessary. And I would say for the past few days, it's been um, downright impossible to get people out unless you have contacts, uh, you know, with state or DOD. And even then, it's tough. Obviously, I still have contacts there. And and I, I got to tell you that the career foreign service officers that I've been working with have just been absolutely amazing in trying to help every case that I've that I've flagged. But it's it's never ending, right? I mean, it's it's a new it's new cases every day, new pleas for help, new new text messages, new emails, um, and and it feels overwhelming. And you know, I'm also simultaneously uh, looking at um, various organizations like No One Left Behind. If people are listening and want to support, you could donate there. There's also the the Lutheran Adrian agency lirs.org another great agency to donate to to help people right. not only get out but help them wherever they resettle in the world uh, so that's just where it's it's really a ton of former administration people mixed with you know some retired right. military people and friends on the ground everyone just on whatsapp groups signal groups text chains just trying to help people get out how many do you think are still there if i was to pin you down and give you a, as close as you can how many americans do you think are still in Afghanistan that need to get out? They can't get to the airport, and now if they're at the airport, hopefully they survived. What do you think? I mean, the, I, I think the State Department gave us around a thousand yesterday, or fifteen hundred. I mean, these are official numbers. I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt them on the on the American side. I mean, I think that they they would have uh, much more access to that data than I would. So about a th- you know about a thousand still in and were willing uh, and ready to leave. What about people that say that? Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, untold thousands that we're going to leave behind. Uh, You know, one of the things that Heather, um, who was a State Department spokesperson before me, your former colleague at Fox, um, she made a really good point yesterday on on Twitter saying that uh, we also, it appears, may be leaving behind a lot of our locally employed staff. Now, your listeners, if they haven't worked at an embassy around the world, um, which many people haven't, you won't know what that means. Let me tell you, at every embassy, at every American embassy on the planet um, and all of our consulates, you cannot operate without locally employed staff. These are people that are from the country, that know the language, that know the culture, <clears throat> that know the history. They translate for us. They, they are intermediaries between the host government and us. Um, and and in many countries, um, you know, it's a it, 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 they risk their safety to work for the American embassy. Um, and so, if we don't get these locally employed staff out that helped us at the embassy in Afghanistan or our embassy there in Kabul, I think you'll see a foreign service revolt. How do you feel? And I know you're not a military person, but Senator Lindsey Graham just tweeted out, "We got to take." Well, back- I am in the Navy. <laughs> I am. Oh, a that, Navy that's officer my that's my bad. Um, 
But I'm just talking about what you've done now. Yeah. Um, Bagram Air Base. Lindsey Graham says right now, retake Bagram Air Base. Do not leave until every American is out. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's right. I mean, how could you how could you leave uh, Americans behind enemy lines? I mean, that's I, and I think the senator has said this. That's dereliction of duty and of the highest order. Thanks so much, uh, Morgan Ortegas. Uh, appreciate it. Copy that. Thank you, sir. You got it. Uh, listen, welcome back. Take your calls. Continue to ride this story. Two explosions ripped through the crowds at Afghan uh, Afghan crowd, mostly in the. Uh, Karzai Airport. Uh, it, there are Americans among the casualties. We don't have the details. We're trying to get them. If just by visual, just by seeing some of this uh, civilian video, uh, there are dozens of bodies and so many women and children. I wish it was a better story. To end this right, we have to retake Bagram Air Base, which is almost 100% secure, and tell the Taliban the palace is is toast. Unless all our people are allowed to walk to us. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. And we need to tell everybody there, we're going to take as much time as we need. I think we should retake more airfields throughout the country. Uh, you can't expect everybody to be going to this hellhole that is Kabul Airport right now. You need to retake Bagram and probably retake other airports as well. Uh, that will take troops on the ground. It will take a complete reassessment of our strategy. But the military can do it. Uh, we just need the will politically to do it. Oh, by the way, if you're just tuning in, there's been two huge explosions in Kabul. I've seen the video from afar. Uh, one came 20 seconds after the other. There was gunfire that followed. There were multiple casualties. It was reported as many as 33 amongst them. And now this is ongoing. Considered a complex attack when it initially happened. And now Jackie Heinrich is reporting that sources have briefed her and the situation in Kabul. It tells them that hundreds of ISIS-K are in the vicinity. Attacks likely to continue. We have to stop being sitting ducks. 5,200, if the number is correct, that they're telling us. Uh, trained war fighters, Marines and Army, evacuation, sure. Get civilians out, that's fine. But the only way we have to take it to the terrorists. Where's the over-horizon attacks? Let's pinpoint exactly where these ISIS-K are, uh, are and start blowing them up. And these Americans got to be secured immediately. These uh, air bases got to be reclaimed. And we cannot operate from a civilian airport in the middle of a dense, uh, in the middle of a dense city. It is just flat impossible. So some other uh, some other reporting on this. Taliban has essentially completely stopped letting Afghans through. Uh, they know they're letting some Americans through, and there also there's uh, the situation. In Kabul uh, says that the hundreds of ISIS K in the vicinity. If we're to believe the reports, and again, General McMaster, among other terror experts, says there's no difference uh, that ISIS K is a rival of the Taliban that they can't control. This is what we're dealing with now. So uh, we're going to look to get some reporters. If you can, uh, uh, if we can, Pete, try to get see if uh, if uh, if Lucas is around. Yeah, and see if he'll uh, be joining us. But that's going to be interesting. 
uh, to see what's happened because the Pentagon now has called up for briefing that took was supposed to take place about an hour ago. They obviously are trying to collect as much as they can, but they're probably not going to give a briefing unless they can do an after-action report. And right now, the attacks could be ongoing. If you're looking at Twitter and some social media and see some of this video, you see how actually bad this is with the multiple explosions. And we do have a situation where the president of France has come out and say this, the security situation is deteriorating. The Poles are gone. The British are just about pulled out. The Germans are just about done. I'm not sure if they let people behind, but there's a there's a concert of opinion among Democrats and Republicans that we got to extend this deadline. Now, what Joe Biden says, it's so dangerous, we have to leave. And uh, that's what he believes. But if you think about the image that will last forever, if it bothers you that Saigon shot of 1975, two years after uh, we told the South Vietnamese leader to leave and cut a deal with North Vietnam, with Gerald Ford as president, we pulled off our allies and Americans, ambassadors in the embassy from the rooftop. We don't even have an embassy now. We have an airport that's not even ours where we set up maybe stack tables and are trying to get people out. And this administration wants to talk about this greatest airlift in history? Really? Uh, you start a, It's like starting a huge fire and saying, wow, we have the, the largest collection of firefighters ever. You started this whole mess. This is all your plan, and you're unwilling to extend the actual deadline itself. It's estimated between five, between 500 and 1,500 Americans, which also is agonizing. And Daryl Issa is working on this California congressman. 24 California students, 16 teachers are still stuck in Afghanistan. For some reason, they chose to go there this summer. We could talk about that at a different time. They have tickets to leave on the 15th, but they were too scared to get out. Now they're working. The State Department, this is scary. Jen Psaki was told about this at her press conference. And she basically said, yeah, I read that in the L.A. Times. Read that in the L.A. Times. 24 people from high, uh, high school are in Afghanistan, and you're reading it in the L.A. Times newspaper? Listen to how all over the place the State Department is. The White House says U.S. has evacuated 82,000 people. Who cares? Only 4,000 were Americans. That bothers me. Uh, 4,500 be specific. Then the Secretary of State says between 500 and 1,500 Americans still need to be evacuated. He's still leaving in five days. Uh, the briefer said that 4,100 are in Afghanistan. That's a State Department spokesperson. Excuse me? Told me there was between 500 and 1,500. Then later they said misspoke. Really? Where'd you get that number from? That's kind of big to misspeak on, even though you're rounding it off. Saki also said there are 11,000 self-identified Americans in Afghanistan. It doesn't count how many people have American passports. We could decide if they're forged or not. That's one thing. But self-identified Americans. This is an unbelievable series of events. The State Department is caught with their pants down. And the Defense Department has to clean up the mess. They're not without fault. But if you just let the Defense Department do what they do best, and that's fight for our country, provide our security, and protect our citizens, we'd be a lot better off. I've seen them act over the last 20 years. The problem has always been policy. It's never been military inaction. Sure, we've made some mistakes. When you fight every single day for 20 years, you make some mistakes. This just coming across now. U.S. officials strongly believe that ISIS-K has, was responsible for the attack. Uh, at the airport. Congressional briefings on Afghanistan said that uh, were, were briefed to such uh, that was earlier today. A second U.S. government source familiar with the intel activity said that while the U.S. government is still investigating the airport attack, uh, all the hallmarks of an ISIS-K attack. And they did tell us a short time ago 
that evacuations are still taking place. You thought it was humiliating as the Russians were attacked as they were leaving the country. They were out of firepower. They didn't know where the attacks were coming from. We chose to leave. We know exactly where the Taliban is. We know exactly where everybody is. But we told our guys, we told our guys that we have to, uh, that we have to, we told our guys that they got to just stay in the airport, can't even go outside the wire, even though they know it's been some Blackhawk missions to rescue some at the hotel and beyond. What were you saying, Eric? Here is Dan Crenshaw, more from his interview that just left. Now, keep in mind, he was just briefed, and um, he, lost his, uh, uh, he lost his eyesight, almost entire eyesight, uh, and, and an eye in Afghanistan. Listen. I don't know what's coming. I know what I want to be coming. Um, what I want is for Biden to acknowledge that this plan has failed and that you need a new plan, that you need to reset the chessboard, that you need to gain some superiority over the enemy. You know, there's this myth out there that if we just left, we'd be ending a war. But that was never true. That was always a myth. The, the war is clearly not ended. So you can't unilaterally end a war. It, it takes two to tango. And these people will never stop fighting us. Uh, their capabilities are obviously still intact. In any case, the intelligence community saw this coming. Now they assume that whether it's al-Qaeda or ISIS, they'll be able to externalize these attacks, meaning do it on the homeland um, sooner than later. With the southern border open, it could be sooner. If that doesn't get you to finish the wall, if that doesn't get you to crack down, if that doesn't get you to put the Remain in Mexico policy in place immediately, I don't know what would. Uh, on top of that, we blame President Biden for this 100%. He comes over and said the economy was in uh, was in recession, and I saved it. That was wrong. It was out of recession. It was already growing. He said that his rescue plan of $1.9 trillion turned this economy around. Most of it has not even been spent, and most of the unemployment is taking place because he gives everyone too much money not to work as rental assistance keeps them in their homes. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.